Welcome to AgriMinds, the podcast where we explore the intersections of personal growth and professional success in the ag industry. I'm Casey Bull, your host. Thank you for joining me as we dive in to the different strategies and insights that will help you level up your life and career. From mental health to leadership development, we're going to cover it all. So sit back and get ready to grow with AgriMinds. Well, welcome to another episode of the AgriMinds podcast. Today, I have Tanner Winterhoff from Ames, Iowa. He is one of the co-hosts for the Farm for Profit podcast. Tanner, welcome to AgriMinds. Hey, thanks for having me. What a pleasure to join you and your audience. It's always fun to be uh, on the other side of the mics as a podcast host. (laughs) Uh, We were just talking before we hit record of how I'm kind of in a trial and error of my microphone situation. And so I was trying to get some pointers from him. But yeah, it's it's really cool. I have listened to a million different uh, podcasts and never in my wildest dreams did I think I was going to have one. And so I'm super interested to hear your perspective of how the Farm for Profit podcast came about, what you do uh, outside of the podcast, how it all intertwines, and uh, you know some of the, the things that you've gone through to get to where you are. So Tanner, I would love to hear how in the heck you got started in to be where you are today. Yeah, so it all started almost out of necessity. It just the reason the podcast started is because we had people asking for it. So kind of like the way yours started is when there's an opportunity, you have to seize it. So I grew up as a farrow to finish farm kid in Northwest Iowa. My parents still have the hog farm with corn and soybean acres, and that was the basis of my ag knowledge. Great fertile farm ground, state of Iowa, the best state for growing corn and a bunch of other things. And here we were looking at what is young Tanner going to grow up to be? Well, it's hard to decide when you're young. You know, I loved farming, but I also had some very eye-opening experiences in the hog market that deemed that it might not be able to support very many families if I wanted to bring and start back my own family. So I looked at my next love, which was math and went into banking, at least went into a finance degree that led into banking. So then here I am working almost a decade in banking, helping small businesses and farms get financing to help their operations go forward. And I was finding these holes that, you know, we as small business owners and farmers have to do a lot of everything in order to make our business run. You have to understand agronomy. You have to understand finances. You have to understand vet medicine. You have to understand so many key areas of operating a business, let alone a farm, to make sure you stay successful. And what I ran into so many times is a lot of family farms are running just like the fa- the way the family has always done it. You know, why are you doing it this way? Well, that's the way grandpa did it. That's the way dad taught me how to do it. And so I kind of found a little bit of a gap there. And I said, well, I want to introduce my customers to some of the most forward thinking, the positive mindset people in the industry to kind of help them maybe look at a way to change their mindset. So my first mission was how can we help farmers run their farm more like a business? Don't take the love for farming out of it. Let's just add some business principles because I was working with small businesses and large businesses that were very successful. 
And the mentalities from the CEOs or the presidents of those companies were a lot different than the farm owners was. So started off doing this as an in-person conference. So people had to travel to Ames, started off really small. I think we had 40 people the first year, but by the end of the fourth session, we had over 300 people attend the conference. So, I mean, it, it was clearly something that people found value in. Of course, we made it free. We made the food good. We made the speakers really great. So it was hard to not come if you knew it was happening. But out of those events, everybody was asking for more. So kind of like with you, Casey, just what's next? Well, we sat there the winter of 2019 and said, I can't host a meeting every month. I, I don't know the first thing about typing out a newsletter. Uh, what, what are we going to do? And that's when I was listening to still an avid listener of Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer podcast and just listening to his shows and went, you know what? We could probably just talk about these things. Reached out to Rob Sharkey, found out what kind of equipment he was using, what kind of programs he was using. He was extremely helpful and went, all right, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start a podcast and we're going to talk to the same type of speakers that we talked to during our conference. So that was the, that's what started it off. That is so cool. I love that. And I think it's, it's great that you're sharing that because you admit, like I didn't have it all figured out and I had to utilize my resources. I reached out to people who were doing the thing that I wanted to do. I asked questions and you maybe not did everything exactly like Rob did, but you got an idea of here's where I should start and I'm going to tweak it to make it applicable to me. I think that's amazing. Oh, absolutely. We did nothing that Rob did. That was the funniest <laughs> part. We, we, the only thing that we do the same as Rob yet today is the way we edit our shows. But besides that, we use completely different equipment. We use completely different recording platforms. We use completely different syndication services. We sell our ads differently. We source our guests differently. It's fascinating that you can get so much encouragement from somebody and you don't have to do it at all like they're doing it. You know, I mean, we had all kinds of conversations. I remember having a, a really long conversation with Tim Hammerich from the Future of Ag podcast. I know that we had uh, picked the brain of, ooh, now I can't remember his name, but he was in an industrial podcast that was recorded locally. So we got to see what his equipment looked like. And ultimately what I've learned is Rob is so skilled to be able to host a podcast by himself. You know, like I applaud you for taking on these conversations one-on-one -on -one because that's hard. And I want to get into that a little bit later. I'm going to make a note as to why doing something on your own is so hard because you have to listen to me. And if you start thinking about your next question, you're not hearing what I say. So you, you really have to hone in. And I, I just remember learning from Rob that that was really hard to do. So the first thing I did before buying any equipment was find a co-host because there was absolutely no way, knowing the way my brain works, I was going to be able to do these interviews by myself. So I teamed up with Dave Whitaker, who's an auctioneer and realtor to give perspective. So now you've got a banker and you've got an auctioneer and realtor 
that are helping introduce you to some of the, the latest, greatest techniques, some of the biggest tips in agriculture to help your farm make more money. So that that's where we went is Dave and I started having conversations. The cool part about Dave is as an auctioneer, he already had audio equipment because he had to do live cry auctions. So we started off in Dave's basement bedroom, recording on his laptop using his equipment. I bought a soundboard and that's what we launched our first couple of shows with. So for the first year of our podcast, it was David and Tanner and we were recording in Dave's spare bedroom in his basement, got curtains up on the wall, quilts on the bed, trying to kill as much sound as we possibly could sitting over a little end table. <laughs> I'm in my basement. So hey. it's not a whole lot better, but I did have a, a, a spare bedroom upstairs and that's where I've worked from home for the last probably going on eight years now. And we just had a little girl. And so I got booted to the basement and it's not the best, <laughs> but I think that that's the point is like, if you want to do something, you just have to start. And, you know, I was talking with a client of mine this morning. I was like, you can't just build this business and get the logos and, and have the Facebook page and get the t-shirts and the swag and all the things, unless you have a client first, like the very first step is to get a sale and just to do the thing first, and then you can continue to build around it. And I think that's where I think it can be applied to life too, is you don't have to have it all figured out. But reaching out to those people around you or reaching out to someone who's doing something that you want to do and hearing, okay, what are you doing? What's the first step? And just take an action. And something that John Maxwell says a lot is learn a little, do a little, learn a little, do a little. And so I think it's fascinating that you went to Rob Sharkey and you're like, tell me all the things that you do. I'm going to do none of that, but thanks for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is so gold because I think it's important to have those conversations because the more that you have, the more that you realize what you want to do and what you don't want to do as well. Oh, yes. And it it's fascinating. I love that quote that you just shared, because we're still learning every week that we sign up. And it's interesting that when we do interviews, we joke every time that we set up our equipment and log in to do a show. There's always a different technical difficulty. It's not one that you've planned for because we think, okay, if you start with a muted and you open the app first and then you plug in the USB cable and then you turn the cameras on, that if you do it all in this order, everything's going to work. And then we log on and we got a really bad echo or reverb or something that's going on. We're like, shoot, why, why is this happening? And we do, we learn just a little bit. And then the second thing is when you get an audience for us, as the audience grows, you get more feedback and you can't shut the feedback out. You have to be open to the criticism and the encouragement, because if you follow the line of encouragement, you'll follow the direction in which your audience wants to go or customer base, client base, you know, when you try to to coordinate that with other businesses and the criticism is usually fairly honestly given, usually comes when somebody's frustrated, obviously, but there's also some really great criticism that comes just because people care about you. We had one just this week. We were running a new style of ad on our podcast and didn't realize that the audio that we had published might have had an infringement upon another structure. Great listener sent us where they discovered the other audio format, what was being said in the message, and boom, 
two minutes of editing, clipped out that extra sound that might have been an issue, and we moved on. But when you have clients that you demonstrate you care about them, like our listeners, in return, they're probably going to react and help you with your business by either referrals, telling you what they want changed, but you have to be open and willing to listen to what they say about where your business could go to be a little bit better. Mm. Feedback is hard, especially when it's, it's something that you are personally responsible for, like the skill that you bring or the thing that you thought was really great. And somebody may disagree, like, yeah, feedback. It's one of those things that I I'm still trying to figure out, to be honest with you. But I think that's, um, that's part of the, the both the personal and the professional development that I'm aware of is, okay, this person is only trying to help. They're not malicious. They're not purposely trying to tear me down. Now I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but right. most of the time people share these thoughts, concerns, questions, whatever, because they genuinely are curious as to what, what your motive was, what the context was and how to make things better. And there, I actually was thinking about this yesterday. And I I messaged a friend of mine because there's this other person that we both know that is trying to build an editing business and they, uh, they copyright, they write freelance articles for people. And they've been posting about this on all social media platforms of, I have this business, but every single post that they have, there is a grammatical error. Now, keep in mind, (laughs) I never correct people on this. I grew up in a very small town. 17 people in my graduating class, there's a lot of education gap for me. Like I missed out on learning a lot of things because I just don't feel like I have the greatest education. And I own that. I don't use big fancy words. I don't always say the the most grammatically correct thing, but I know when there is a difference between N-O and K-N-O-W and the different types of twos. And for someone who is trying to build a business around that and every single post that they have has an error. I so badly want to reach out and just say, listen, no one's going to buy from you. No one's going to want to work with you and trust you with editing their content. If you can't even correct the own things in your post. And so I reached out to my friend of a friend of mine. And I said, this person is just driving me bonkers. Do I tell them that there is an opportunity for them to do better? Or is this something that I keep my mouth shut about because I want to not offend them or, or hurt them in those right. ways? Right. And and my advice would be is yes, reach out. And it's just the way I think about this is if you had something in your teeth, <laughs> would you want somebody to tell you that you've got something in your teeth? Or do you want to come and go to the bathroom <laughs> the first time, look in the mirror and go, I hope no one saw that. (laughs) How long has this been there, right? So there's great ways to do it. Like you said, people are jerks. Those, the bad, the bad malicious comments are going to be out there no matter what business you run, whether it's hairstyling, whether it's a, a soil sampling business, whatever it is, there's going to be negative comments because it, it's unlike the way human nature should be to rally around success and drive success forward. There's so many people that get intimidated when they see other people's success that their coping mechanism is to try and tear it down or to try and justify why they got lucky. And and when we stay on the topic of feedback, 
that's how we ran into our third co-host, Corey, Corey Hillebo. So we're about nine months into this and Corey says, you know what? Your episodes are really informative, but you're just boring. And he goes, I mean that in the most sincere way possible, because what Dave and I were doing is, you know, it was hard to schedule guests when you don't have a reputation. You were sourcing all the content yourself. We were putting out an episode every two weeks. We learned that when you skip a week, that you kind of don't gain the cult-like following that you'd want when you're there on a consistent basis every week. So every Monday, we wanted to release a show, but we didn't have the content. So we started doing like a top 10 meals to bring to the field. What are the top 10 music songs that talk about agriculture every other week? So we'd have something that really meant a lot. And then we'd follow it with a week that was kind of like phoned in. You know, it, it was, we knew we needed to be there every seven days, but we at the time didn't want to work that hard or didn't have that much content or whatever the reason was four years ago. And Corey came and said, what you're doing and the information you're providing is awesome, but why don't we take that week where you're just doing a top 10 list and have a conversation with a real farmer and just learn about their operation? let's do it like we're sitting at the bar, sitting at the coffee shop, whatever it is. And so that spawned our Farm for Fun show. So in our podcast, we've got a show that comes out that is more focused on a tip, a trick, a technique. It's more profit focused. We call them profit shows. Then we have our fun shows where you still learn about how someone became successful, but you learn about it almost in this format where it's storytelling then you do as to, oh, nope, you need to visit your accountant twice a year and have quarterly meetings where they check your financials. You know, it, it doesn't get that way. So when you have a clear mission statement, that gives you the ability to adjust as you go. And from the beginning, David and I wanted to help farmers achieve higher levels of profitability and run their farms more like a business. Corey's suggestion, which was a listener suggestion, which was a client suggestion, didn't change that mission. It just expanded it. So if you're running a business or you've got a hobby of your own that you want to grow, stick to what you originally want to do, but don't be afraid to deviate because what happened when we took Corey's suggestion, one, we made him come on as a co-host and he's such a likable dude that everybody enjoys Corey when he's on the podcast, but our audience size has grown 20,000 multiple of where it was. I mean, it just, that, that forward thinking, the ability to understand that education combined with entertainment is so much more desirable than just education. So it, it, it again was feedback from somebody that we worked with that allowed us to, to grow to where we are today. That's huge. Yeah. You guys do an amazing job. And I even wanted to reach out to you the other day. I'll do it after the call, but I was super curious of like, who does your videos? Like I'm seeing this trend in the way people make like their little short snippets of their podcast. And there's certain fonts that you need to use and certain colors that you need to use. And I'm like, I'm behind the times when it comes to this kind of stuff, apparently. And I never thought I would get to that age of, I feel like I'm not in the, in the loop on this stuff. And so it's like stuff like that, that I see that you're, you're constantly improving and you're constantly evolving 
your show, what kind of evolving are you doing as a person outside of the feedback? Are you into new resources? Like, what do you, what do you do to, to sharpen Tanner? Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And uh, I've got an executive coach, you know, it's not for everybody, but holy smokes, did that open my eyes. And, and I don't think it's something that uh, a person needs to have. It was something that I was sitting there going, okay, I'm out here teaching other people. I, I know a lot of things. I've got great connections. I, I probably don't need this, but the level of perspective that I gained, because if you do that right, if you do those types of sessions correct, you can become really vulnerable. And then that feedback really hits home, but it doesn't come as criticism. It comes more as, oh, I could grow here. I can do this so much better because one of the hardest things that I did related to the podcast was give up stuff. And, and that's because the podcast was my baby. I mean, I've always been the podcast mom. You know, it's just, it's my job to organize the guests, plan out the content, work with the advertisers, make sure we're scheduled and where we're supposed to be because Dave and Corey bring other very unique characteristics and skills to the podcast that that's my role. Well, that also included editing and publishing and writing. And you soon add up the hours and you go, wait a minute, I can't do all of this. And especially when our listeners said they wanted more and a year ago, we switched to doing two shows a week. So instead of going every Monday, now we have a profit show Monday and a fun show on Thursday. So we do 104 interviews a year. Yikes. So here I am carrying a lot about audio quality, thinking I'm the only one that has the ability to make this podcast sound the way that I want it to. And we finally took the leap and gave an outside editor an opportunity. And it was a little bit of a learning curve, but if it wasn't for that coach, I wouldn't have had the patience to say, okay, we might have a blip over the next 90 days as we're providing correction. You know, I may, I may end up still editing the show, but I'm able to provide the right feedback to where things can become autonomous when we eventually get there. And today, I hardly listen to the show before we publish it. There's so much trust in our editor to do that. Same thing went with the video. I had no idea how to do video, but I knew that video was important, not only to the entertainment of our audience, but also to monetization. I mean, there's so many opportunities on the um, YouTube, Facebook Reels, TikTok that allow you to monetize when you have a clip that a lot of people like. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I tried doing it in iMovie and it was fine. We had a good base. We got introduced, looked to another podcaster, got introduced to their video editor, asked them if they wanted another client, took them on, put one on retainer, and we've never looked back since. We're actually looking at expanding the video services to go along with that. But it was such a shift in my mindset to let things be done by other people. Because I love banking. I still work banking full-time. The podcast is a business. But now we're working on a staff of six or seven part-time help. 
that do things that I'm not good at, or I got tired of doing, or that could just do it better at me, even if I was good at it. This could not align any better with my intention with Agrimines, because the same thing happened to me. I was trying to do all the things. And I think a lot of people in agriculture wear all the hats. They don't know that they can take some of them off or at least wear certain ones at certain times. And one, because will that make me look weak that I can't do all the things? Mm -hmm. Or two, I don't trust that somebody else is gonna do the thing that I wanna do the right way, like you just said. Like, no, this field needs planted in this particular way. I'm the one running the planter. No, this office work needs to be put into the computer this specific way. Otherwise, I'll never know where things went, right? Like there's a method to it. And it's so hard for us to delegate those types of things because of the trust, the the ego, the pride, whatever it is. And that is what we cover in weeks two and three of Agriminds is this thing called the working genius. And I talk about this on every single episode because it's been such a life changer for me is understanding what my working genius is, what's my strength, what's my talent, and how do I recognize the talents of other people? And that allowed me to take the expectation and the pressure off of my own shoulders in knowing that's not something that brings me joy, nor am I good at. So why am I even trying to put energy and effort into this thing, knowing that all of my joy and all of my energy is coming from these other things? And I think in agriculture, that's a lesson that so many of us can learn is to just know when to automate, when to delegate, and when to eliminate. Like you said, there are certain things I needed to remove from my plate altogether. There are certain places that I want to be a part of it. So I'm going to delegate it to them, but I can still have a hand, a yes or no, approve, whatever. But man, when you, when you can take that weight and that pressure off of your shoulders and just accept the fact that I don't have to be good at everything. I don't have to do everything. It's amazing. But I think you're right. A lot of the times that's work that's hard to do on your own. And so to have someone in your corner, whether it be a coach, whether it be a peer group, someone who's in your corner to walk you through those moments that are like, this is difficult for me. I'm scared to let go. I don't really want to do this work. This is a painful thing. And you have someone saying like, but look at what's on the other end of that. Look at what you're going to feel as soon as you let go of that that's a much better place than where you are now. And sometimes we just need someone with, like you said, that different perspective, that outsider view, the the third neutral party that's not emotionally tied or invested in these decisions. It's huge. And that is the whole point of Agriminds is to be that third party, that extra perspective, that source of encouragement, but with the agriculture perspective, because if you were to just hire any life coach or any executive coach that didn't quite understand the realities of what we may face, it could be a little bit different. And it's not quite the level of relatability or support that you may get outside. And so, and and it is always more work before it's less, because like I said, that 90 day stretch, when we turned the audio over, I was still having to listen to the whole show and make corrections, and then also provide feedback as to why I made the correction and where I made the correction to where if I just edited it myself, I'd have been done. But 
I wouldn't be where we're at today. We wouldn't even have thought of going to two shows a week if I was the one that had to edit every time because you you record one minute, you edit three to five. So you're talking potentially by the time this is done for every one minute of your episode, you're eight to 10 minutes invested before people even realize it. So it it is, it's always more work before it's less work. And then it's different work because now it's coordinating schedules, making sure that the editor has when the episode is going to air, understands clear deadlines as to when to get the file back. Emma, who does our socials, needs to understand when that show is going to air so she can have content prepared. Our video editor also has to have the video. So it, it changes. I'm not saying I'm doing less. I certainly have less hours involved, but it's less physical hours. There's more brain power being in, engaged. But just like you said, Dave and I told Corey when he first joined us that we will do this podcast until it is no longer fun. When it stops being enjoyable, that then we'll be done. And it was going to be less enjoyable a lot faster if I didn't give up some of these things. So yeah, I went from doing almost everything to now I no longer prepare the outlines. I do the guest scheduling. Corey helps me find a lot of the guests. So he's pretty much doing almost all of our guest sourcing. Either that or our listeners are sending us emails saying this is what they want to hear. This is somebody they've heard speak before um, to where the guest sourcing part is so much more streamlined. We schedule the interview, we hit record, and then I'm the one that distributes it to everybody. So it, it's such a more enjoyable role because the fun part's having the conversation. The fun part's talking, learning, and that's the selfish portion of this is it took a, we saw another bump in our growth of our audience when we started paying more attention to what our listeners wanted. Because as soon as we started taking their suggestions and interviewing their guests and putting out shows, we're like, oh, well, this is probably going to be an okay show. And all of a sudden it hits records. Like, wow. I guess our, our listeners really want to learn about cattle marketing. You know, so it, it's fun when I was able to switch that mindset and we as a podcast stuck to our mission, but allowed it to kind of venture its own way, how much your audience grows. But then the selfish part comes in is I'm still learning. Every interview, every time that we sit down and talk to somebody, I walk away knowing something. Is it something about what I could tell my customers to help their farms? Is it something that I could do in my personal life? You know, we had uh, an episode on uh, called the business of fatherhood. And it was one of the, one of the things that we took away from that was he said, go home and tell your kid that you've got 10 minutes and you will do whatever they want to do and just watch what happens. And so that's one thing that I like doing with my kids is we get down with supper, especially during the summer. I said, what are we going to do? I said, let's go outside and you tell me what we're going to do. So last night we were hitting tennis balls in the driveway. I've never played tennis. My girls have never played tennis, but they wanted to do that. So it, it can be anything. So when you talk about, you know, people in agriculture or running ag businesses that you sit there and even if you have an interaction with a customer, say you're doing a, a soil sampling or on an agronomy mission and you, the farmer pulls up at the field driveway and you get to have that conversation, you'll more than likely learn something from them. Maybe it's a referral for the neighbor who's also looking for soil sampling. Maybe it's a conversation that they had about where the previous guy used to pull samples from, you know, 
whatever it is, if you can switch your mindset to not having conversations be a burden, but be an opportunity to learn something, I think that's a pretty valuable switch that, that I picked up on. I love that you used the word burden there, because I think a lot of the time, I know for me, when I was working full time and trying to grow my coaching business, there were a lot of times where my coaching business became the burden. And it's like, that used to be the thing that I was so passionate and so excited about, but I had to balance you know, from this time to this time during the day, I had to dedicate to my, my daytime job, my real job. And then on nights and weekends, then I could work on my business. And there's been so many conversations with one-on-one coaching clients of mine, where we've talked about, like, you've got to make sure that this doesn't become the burden. Like this is the, this is the light at the end of the tunnel. And we want to keep it there because that's the thing that you, that was your why, that was your motivation. That's the thing that you ultimately want to do. So how do we put this, the right systems in place to make it so that way that doesn't become the burden. When you talked about, um, when this podcast doesn't become fun for us anymore, that's when we'll quit. Or how will you know when the point comes, like, what are some signs that you want to pay attention to of, okay, this is starting to go down a path that isn't what we wanted it to be. We, we don't necessarily. And ironically, we're in those conversations right now because, we look at listenership and we've, we peaked huge audience growth the end of April. And since then we haven't had as many listeners, you know, it's warm out. We got through planting season, whatever the story is, but when you look at the charts and you can compare our rankings are still where they were or better. So I think across the board, people are enjoying the summer of 2023. And it triggered, though, just these conversations. You have to know what your out is. You have to know what your evolution plan is going to be. And that's what we're working on because it's still fun. We joked during a couple of our last conversations that, heck, if we go down to only a thousand listeners, we would still do it because the conversations are so much fun. The people that we get to hang out with, the people that now send me TikToks and DMs and, t- and text messages. And when we go to a trade show, I'm not only there with the two people I drove with. I can actually connect with more people in agriculture where there's so much more value outside of how many listeners we have that provides that perspective. But eventually there's going to come because you've got an editor hired for audio and for video and for social media, there's going to become a business decision point to where if we keep doing this, we're going to have to bring more stuff in house. We're going to have to bring or do some cost reduction measures because if you don't have the audience, you don't have the sponsors. So to relate that to a business client, if you don't have buyers, why make more product? So if you can't continue to keep your pipeline full, then we're just going to do it in different formats. But the same thing to your base question about when will it not become fun? That's an individual target. And both Dave and Corey, that when you're done, be done. Because I don't want you to be here if you're not happy doing this. If this is a burden for you, if a Tuesday afternoon recording or a Wednesday evening call, whatever it ends up being, but I've got to, then then check out. We'll be fine. It'll evolve. We'll find the next steps. And that's the trick too with if you're running a farm and you've got an employee that is always late or you've got an employee that just always has a bad attitude and you're thinking, gosh, I can't let them go. 
because I'll never find anybody to replace them. Or, you know, it's so hard to find help the way it is to begin with, but you got to think about how much does a poor attitude affect what I've got going on and the love, the fun that I have doing what I do. I think back to when I finally made the decision to, do I continue to grind and work full time and have my side business? Or do I take that side business and make that my focus? And it got to the point where something was off, right? Like I felt heavy. I was not giving the time and attention to my kids that I wanted to. Like I felt like I was stressed out. And so I had to make the decision of what's the right thing to go. And that's when I decided to leave corporate America and go full-time ag coach. And I think back to your question of, or your statement of when you're done, you're done. Like make the decision and have your back. And I think it's episode three, two or three with Katrina Kluster on this, on this podcast of make the decision and have your back on it. When you're done, be done and don't feel the guilt. Don't feel the, you know, the resentment about it all. Like just be okay with being done and knowing it's time for your next phase. It's time for your next season. And you mentioned something else of like, okay, I've got 10 minutes with my kids. Like I think back to, I remember the first time I went up to my kid and he's like, mom, I want you to play with me. And he, you know, he would say this all the time. And I was like, well, I can't, I got to work. You know, like I got to do this. I got to do whatever. And the time I was like, okay, cool, let's go. And he was like, wait, what? You're really going to play with me? Like, right. whoa. And I like that just lit my heart up and it's like, I've got to do something different. And so those are the types of signals that made sense for me of I've got to make a change. It's time for me to evolve in one way. What's the best way? And there's no right or wrong. It's just what makes the most amount of sense for me in this season of life. About 18 months ago, I had the opportunity to do the podcasting full-time, to run farm for profit full-time and leave banking. and it was a lot of soul searching. And that that's actually when I, what sprung me into the executive coach was I needed some more clarity as to what I wanted, what I enjoyed. And I realized that I love the conversations that I have as a banker. I love being able to help provide capital, being able to watch small businesses in our area succeed, being able to watch farmers have the highest revenue generation that they've ever had in their careers and strategically plan for the future that they're going to hand their farm down. You know, I love the area of influence that you get being a banker. It's not the most lucrative job. It, it's all community-based, as long as you're in the organization size that I'm in, it's all community-based influence set up. And I also rely so much on what I do day-to-day in the industry to provide value to the podcast. So that, that really helped trigger for me the hiring of other people. Because if you want to stay doing something, then something else has to give. Because that whole proposal about give your child 10 minutes to do whatever they want to do, doesn't mean you're only spending 10 minutes with them. It's just 10 minutes of their free choice. But I love coaching my daughter's softball teams because I'm not the dad that sits in the bleachers quietly. So if I'm going to say something, I'm going to say it in the dugout and be constructive at least rather than trying to yell it through a chain link fence. So for me, that, that was huge. And ultimately, that's the decision I made 18 months ago. That's the decision that we're running with as a podcast. And if we want to do more, we'll hire more because it still needs to be fun. But I want to go back before we wrap up to, I said I would touch base on the one-on-one and why that's scary. So in podcasting, 
interviewing like you and I is scary because if you are back listening to this and you're overcritical of yourself, you may think, shoot, he said this and I should have went a question that direction because that could have been so good. Think about that in the form of a business, right? So I have the utmost respect for Rob Sharkey. I have even more respect for his wife, Emily. And any podcast host, any media interview that is doing it solely based upon one person's initiative and the ability to try and draw in a lot of perspectives into the questions that get asked. But when I think about this from a business standpoint, you are doing it one-on-one for the most part. It's you versus a customer. It's you versus a competitor. But if you can find an advisory team, if you can find a coworker, I don't strongly suggest partners just because I partnerships always end and they don't usually end the right way. But if you can find a, a number one player that you can recruit to your team and it's an employer employee relationship, but you give them the right incentives to really power the business forward, give them some authority that gives them ownership, then you're no longer relying on yourself. And some of that weight comes off because there are so many times that Corey and Dave and I will sit there just in our podcast format doing an interview and we'll get done. And I'll be like, oh, I'm so glad you asked that because I didn't even catch it. I didn't even hear them say those things. So thanks for pulling that out. But then when we go, what should we do for pulling a clip out of this episode? What, where should we go for a trade show event? We're going to be at this trade show. What should we do while we're there? It's no longer relying all on me for those ideas. So if you're running a business or a farm of your own, it's hard. I get it as a farmer to really befriend your neighbors because they're your largest competitors, especially in row crop farming. But back in the day, that's all you had was a community of neighbors and you all worked together. There's ways to gain experience, to gain knowledge in your community. And if you're afraid of that, go ahead and jump out onto social media. Join Ag Twitter, join Farm Talk on TikTok, find the YouTube community, because I'll tell you when Corey jumped on the podcast, and I don't want to steal uh, a potential future interview question for you, but when he jumped on the podcast, he had more feedback in the negative light from local listeners and more love from listeners outside of the area. So it's fascinating to see where your area of influence and where a potential strategic network can come from, but you don't have to do it one-on-one. You can have a lot of extra support. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that's the power in the AgriMinds group, right? Like it's it's half coaching program, half mastermind. And so, and we keep the, the seats very low. Like there's not gonna be 20 people in this group. Like we keep it a very low number. So that way it's just enough to provide just enough perspective but everyone gets a chance to contribute to the conversation. I think if you can find a group like this, whether it be AgriMinds or something that makes more sense for you, either financially or locally or topically, like there are, I don't even know if that's a real word, locally, whatever, <laughs> by topic, you know, absolutely do that. You're right. Like you can go on social media. There are certain Facebook groups, pages, um, local organizations that are so beneficial, but there's some power in that. And I I know personally how much uh, 
pride or ego I kind of get wrapped up into of like, no, I got to do this on my own. I got to prove myself. I got to validate this. I've got, I've got to make a name for myself. But when I started opening up and sharing my concerns, my challenges, my questions, my excitement with other people, the, I don't know if feedback is the right word, but the encouragement and support and emphasis on my ideas to make it even better was like phenomenal. It's been life changing and life giving for me. So yeah, absolutely. Fantastic point. You, oh, I feel like we could talk for hours. I think that <laughs> the things that we have in common are, are spectacular. And this is the type of conversation I love to dig into. And so I just want to say thank you, Tanner, for joining me on the Agriminds podcast. If someone wanted to follow up with you or watch, uh, you know, some of the things that you've got going on, both on the podcast and outside of it, where can they follow you and keep up with you? Absolutely. No, I, I was honored when you reached out to do the interview. Like I said, it's, it's so much fun being on the other side of the mic. And, and interviewing is a, a skill that I think will provide value in my career forever. But the connections that you get through these conversations will be so much more valuable than anything else. But yes, I have tried to brand myself as the Iowa Banker Man. So whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, you can find me as the Iowa Banker Man. And then Farm for Profit is across all platforms, F-A-R-M, the number four, and Profit. And we try to put out as much content as possible. We kind of do a little bit of the Gary Vanderchuk style of, you know what, if people are sick of it, they won't follow you. But if you want to draw the attention of somebody else, then you need to put out reoccurring quality content as far as that goes. And back to your what you just said, we didn't get here by ourselves and we're not going to get to where we want to go by ourselves. We started in Dave's basement bedroom. And right now we're in the process of creating a hundreds of thousands of dollar renovation on an old Casey's general store to have a permanent recording studio that people can come and make their own magic in on top of what we're doing. So it, you don't get there without listening or the help from a lot of people. And if you do, great. More power to you. I bet you I had way more fun getting there this way. Wow. That's so cool. Congratulations on the new project as well. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I get to congratulate Dave and Corey. They've stuck it out. Uh, as of the 1st of July, 2023, we're celebrating four years and only about a third of podcasts make it three years, let alone four. So I applaud those dudes for not getting sick and tired of me <laughs> and for sharing the same passion. So it's been a lot of fun. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Be sure to check out the TikTok too. I mean, that's where I stay in the loop. I'll watch the little short spurts of your recordings yeah. and I'm like, that's an episode I've got to go listen to. See, that's how you hook me. So yeah, be sure to check them out on Farm for Profit on TikTok, social media, everywhere, podcast. Tanner, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so good. And I just want to say, you know, thank you for being vulnerable and transparent and open about you know, your personal and professional journey and sharing some behind the scenes on how you got to where you are today. Hey, again, thank you for the invite. And I hope your listeners find a little value in it.